welcome you all to Blissful Living. Today's topic is very, very powerful in the fact that the show is about decreasing or eliminating stress from all aspects of your life. And my special guest today, um, by the way, I'm Rochelle Lawson. I'm the queen of feeling fabulous, and this is my show. And I have a very special guest today. His name is Ronald Mann, and he's a Ph.D., uh, but don't let that scare you because Ron or Ronald has a variety of information that um, he would love to share with all of you. But today we're going to focus on one specific thing that is very dear to my heart, which is, I believe, a profound secret in helping us all to eliminate uh, stress from our lives. And that secret is the effects and the benefits of meditation. And so without further ado, um, I want to let you know, Ron um, will give you his information as to how you can contact him um, as the show progresses. And at the end of the show, I will mention it again. And then we both have plenty of um, gifts for you uh, that you can pick up. And we'll mention that later in the show. But without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. Ronald Mann to the show. Hello, Ronald. How are you? Welcome to the I'm, show. I'm great. And, and please call me Ron. That's fine. And it's uh, an honor and a pleasure to be with you, Rochelle. Well, we are very, very honored that you um, accepted to be our guest today. And I know people, when they, when they hear the word meditation, they think about um, the people in the early 70s, late 60s that were doing meditation and elevating or levitating, I guess is the correct word, themselves off the ground and doing all kind of what appeared to be odd or very unique things for a very unique type of person or, or type of individual. But I know as being a certified meditation specialist, and I know you know as you know how you use meditation in your practice, that meditation has profound benefits on our mind, body, and spirit. And so why don't you tell the guest a little bit about your training in meditation? Sure. Now, just so most people know, those images about meditation where people are levitating, very rare. It's very hard to get in those states, and hardly anybody does it. Meditation is very down to earth. You know, I actually started meditating on my own when I was in graduate school, I working on my PhD. As you mentioned, you know, stress, uh, that's one of the more stressful times of my life, uh, being a graduate student and doing all that. So uh, I had heard that meditation was good for stress reduction, and I was a student in those days, and people were selling mantras for $300, and I didn't have the money, and I didn't believe in it anyway to go and that kind of money for something that I thought should be free. Uh, so I knew that the key points of meditation were, one, concentration on the breath, and two, was keeping your attention focused up at the point between your eyebrows. They call it the spiritual center, the Ajna center. So I just decided I'd sit down and kind of tell myself, stay focused there and watch your breath. So I just started meditating on my own when I was in graduate school. And as I progressed, uh, I got my Ph.D. 
and I started working uh, with children who were dying, terminally ill kids. I was had a private practice in Beverly Hills. I was pretty young, and I wanted to pretty much challenge myself to deal with the things in life that I was not comfortable with, and death and dying was one of them. So I thought, well, I'll start working with kids who are terminally ill. And I don't know, do you remember the name Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? Yes, yes. Very. Well, she, you know, for our listeners, she is the woman who wrote the Death and Dying book. She came up with the five stages, and she pioneered all this work in uh, death and dying, and she also, in her later years, became very mystical. Now, did, and, you, did you do any particular work or training with Elizabeth? Well, we were good friends. Uh, I met her at a conference, and I ended up going to uh, Hawaii in Maui for one of her week-long conferences, and I had uh, a week-long experience of spiritual awakening. I kind of believed in stuff, but I hadn't had a lot of direct experience. I was still relatively fresh out of graduate school. And I started having a a kundalini experience, which is the subtle energy going up my spine. And my higher centers became awakened. They became uh, clairvoyant, and I could see and feel energy and start work with energy. And my heart chakra opened up. I had this very profound experience of Jesus. And let me just back up a little bit here because you mentioned something that our audience may not, you know, be aware of. Um, can, can you tell them a little bit about kundalini and the kundalini energy? Because I know about it. Um, and um, I'm sure other people that meditate know about it as well. But for the, the you know, person that's listening that has the first time ever hearing anything about meditation between, um, you know, but having two people having a conversation about meditation and now this term kundalini um can you explain a little bit more about what kundalini is Mm -hmm. you know it comes out of the system of yoga and in uh the yoga philosophy and the kind of the technology for changing consciousness they talk about subtle energy centers that are in the spine the energy in your astral body and they call these chakras and there are seven of them, and they go up your spine, and they talk about a dormant energy, which is called this kundalini energy that really uh, begins at the base of your spine. And spiritual awakening is really about the transmutation of life force energy. And so the breath is the, the link to energy and consciousness. And so when you work with the breath and you're in the spine, and you're bringing the breath up and down the spine, it awakens this dormant energy called the kundalini energy. In India, they symbolize it as a snake that's coiled. Right. And so so when it kind of uncoils itself and it goes up the spine, it awakens all these various centers. And so it activates consciousness because it goes up all the way up to your spiritual eye and your crown chakra, and it uh, opens up higher states of awareness. So it's a... um, it's a subtle energy. It's available on everybody, and there are um, relatively simple. Some are more complicated, but there's simple practices in various traditions that will help uh, activate that energy. Okay, uh, so now, like, I'm an Ayurvedic. 
I'm an Ayurvedic health practitioner, and I know about the, the seven chakras, you know, from the root chakra, which is at the base of the spine, you know, all the way up to the crown chakra, which is at the top of the head. And mm -hmm. I know how energy travels um, through the chakras, and I know about the kundalini energy, which is, you know, like you described it as a dormant energy, as well as in, in Ayurveda, it's uh, also described um, as being like snake-like because it kind of just uncoils and kind of slithers its way up through each energy center, which can be really, really profound um, for people, a really, really, really profound. Um, and if they're not ready to receive this uh, energy that's being unleashed, so to speak, um, you know, it can be it can be quite. I don't want to say traumatizing, but it can be quite complex or challenging for the individual individual to handle. Um, what do you see as to how that relates to um, you know what we're going to be talking more about, which is is meditation? Well, what you mentioned the complexity of dealing with these subtle currents. I think that's why it's helpful to have a teacher who knows what's going on. So if things start to happen, you've got somebody to talk to who isn't afraid and can reassure you and energetically help manage what's going on. Uh, but to answer your question about my training, we shouldn't yeah. just skip on that one, is that th that experience led me to initially start working with uh, Sikhs in doing Kundalini Yoga and then I read the autobiography of a yogi uh, many, many years ago. That's Paramahansa Yogananda's uh, life story, and he created the Self-Realization Fellowship and really brought a technique over here called Kriya Yoga. And again, it, it's a advanced technique that works with the subtle current in the spine. Right. And so since 1979, I've been doing Kriya Yoga uh, and working with the, the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, even though I've had exposure to lots of other kinds of things. That's the one that I've basically been doing for quite a while. Well, that that sounds really, really, really intriguing. And I know sometimes when um, we discuss or talk about meditation, people think it or equate it to being some type of spiritual practice. And so what I want to ask you is, with regards, um, I know that Ayurveda and yoga are sister sciences, meaning that Ayurveda is the uh, spiritual, physical aspect of, you know, holistic health and wellness and healing. And I know yoga is the physical aspect, and they go hand in hand. They work together. I mean, you well, can't. Rochelle, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it, from my point of view, when, in America especially, when people say yoga, they think of asana which is the yeah. physical practice. Yeah. Yoga is much more than that. The common misconception in America is that yoga is about uh, Doing the physical part. You know, Patanjali created this system called the, uh, the Eightfold Path. Right. There are eight steps, and the asana, the physical part, is just kind of the third step. It has to do with philosophy. It has to do with preparing your body for these energies, which is the, the physical asana stretching. Exactly. But there's also uh, meditation techniques uh, for internalizing your awareness, for working with the transmutation of life force energy. The goal is union with God. 
And so yoga is really a very spiritually based system if you want to use it that way. You can I, use it just for health if that's all you want to do. I do agree. And I, I want to reiterate that to everyone that, you know, I know yoga, quote, unquote, has become really popular in Western society. But basically going to a yoga class, you're just practicing postures in asanas. It's not the real right. aspect of yoga. And it's so, very rare yeah, it's, to get more than that. Yeah, and, and yoga classes, I mean, really, it's a great form of exercise. And, um, you know, with an Ayurveda, with the three body types or the three doshas, there's specific asanas or postures within yoga that go for each body type that work better and are more beneficial to each body type. But, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that can be a whole nother show and we can just really talk more about yoga. But what I really wanted to get into was tell me, do you have any particular spiritual practices that, um, that you utilize in conjunction with your meditation practice? Well, I do. I mean, Yogananda has a pretty clearly defined system in, I mean, they have lessons that are almost free that they send through the mail. And so, you know, for me, there's a little bit of Hatha Yoga involved because it's good for the spine and I'm pretty athletic. I play a lot of golf, so I try and stay flexible. But my, my particular practice uh, has a lot to do with uh, devotion and, you know, deep meditation. I meditate hopefully at least an hour a day, uh, good days, more. Uh, it depends upon if I don't have much to do. I might meditate for two or three hours if I'm kind of on my own little personal retreat. But I, you know, every day begin my day with a meditative practice because it is the best uh, thing I know for maintaining my health, deepening my relationship with God, reducing stress, and getting clear about what I need to do in my life, and activating forces that will help me accomplish whatever I need. So how has meditation helped you with uh, reducing or keeping your stress levels in control? Meditation, basically, if people use it as a way to work with the subtle currents in the body, uh, because there's different kinds. There's like mindful awareness. That's right. Just, kind of like watching the thoughts and kind of realizing that you're not really the thoughts. There's consciousness there watching the thoughts. But as you get deeper into the, the practice, you begin to have these experiences where your whole body is filled with light and there is a, a sense of love and peace that starts flowing through you. Deeper states, you get into bliss. But generally people get the, the love, the energy, and, and this peace. Well, everything about us, uh, is energy. And I go into this in great detail. My first book was called Sacred Healing, Integrating Spirituality with Psychotherapy. It was on the LA Times bestseller list. And I talk about yoga practice, energy, and consciousness as it relates to psychology and, and personal development. Mm -hmm. So if you think that everything about you, whether it's a thought, whether it's an emotion, it's, it's a physical kind of thing, that it's really manifesting at the essential level as an energy. So when you go into deep meditation and you start feeling these subtle uh, vibrations moving through your body, you can get rid of stuff that you've picked up. So, Yeah, I, I, you know, I think um, sometimes people don't realize that as we go about our day, you know, we are really all just 
all balls of energy. And you may come across uh, energy from other people that you that you pick up that may not always be beneficial to you, but you don't know it. And so it just kind of leeches on to you like a leech, so to speak. And within the the confines or beautiful awareness um, that happens when you meditate, you're able to release this at such a deep level that sometimes you don't even know you've picked it up and you don't even know you've released it. And I like how you mentioned that, you know, you can get to the state of bliss because this is the blissful living, you know, show. And um, I just want people to really be able to understand that when you meditate, you can, you can release a whole bunch of stuff that you don't even know you have, but you also can get to a state of bliss that will have profound benefits in all areas and aspects of your life. That's right. You know, meditation is like taking a shower. You, you can, like, clean yourself out, like you say, and as you get more sensitive, you know when you're picking up this stuff. And especially if you're in the healthcare business, you're always immersed in other people's emotional fields. So you need to have a way to get rid of the stuff that you picked up. And meditation is, is a very quick uh, and safe way to cleanse out that stuff uh, just in terms of what's going on day to day. You know, in my, um, my book, I talk a lot about how to speed up personal change because uh, we, are, we are all programmed as kids, you know, from our parents. You know, there's right. all these messages we pick up and part of growing up is learning how to change the programming that's not supportive to us so we can really tap into being our best. Well, in a meditative state, you can go in and work with these uh, memories, images, kind of the scripts, one way to talk about it, these ideas about who you think you are or the little kid stuff in you, and change things in a much quicker way. And so, you know, back to your question about, well, how does it help with stress? Well, one, stress starts in the mind. Right, something happens and we have some kind of idea about it, like, I don't like it, shouldn't be happening, I didn't want this, I've got expectations, I'm supposed to be doing this, but this right. is happening. All right. So in a, uh, a deep meditative practice, you begin to get to the place where you can realize that your consciousness is eternal and it's much more than your mind. And so... You can begin to let go of a lot of these preconceived ideas that we carry around and become less controlling about how we think life should be, right. which helps us to be more accepting of what happened in a moment. And we can respond to it in a more loving way without getting caught in the emotionality of, of the situation and going to some reaction. I love that because, you know, um, with our society today, everything just is so fast-paced, and people don't even know that, for one, they've picked up somebody else's energy that they're carrying on, on their shoulders, and now it's become theirs. Mm -hmm. Two, they think, you know, they're just so busy, um, and what they were taught as children is really true and bona fide and not realize, really realizing that they may have even picked up some of their parents' preconceived notions about themselves that's that has been displaced upon them, and then you grow up believing this. Um, but within meditation, it's like the one place that I found that you truly um, really 
get back in touch or are able to get back in touch with your true self. And it does have that really profound, um, almost indescribable connection to the divine, um, which is just you know, it just it just warms my heart to even talk about it because that connection to the divine through medi- through a meditative process has so many profound benefits that um, you know just releasing stress is is one of them, but it also helps with anger and and other issues that we don't even may may not even be aware that we have. So um, by you talking about that and and bringing it to the forefront of people's mind, um, I'm hoping that they become aware that you can change and you're not necessarily who or what you are because someone told you that, you know, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. can explore or go deeper in an exploration that is just you yourself and the divine through uh, meditation, right? Yes, and you know, I, I agree with what you said. I think that the kind of love and experience that we feel in deep meditation is what the soul longs for. It, I agree. It's looking for that connection with God, which is love and joy and light and bliss. And the emptiness that people feel a lot of times is because they haven't connected with that spiritual reality. And so they look to food. They look to money, they look to sex, they look to relationships, right. they look to anything outside of themselves, thinking, well, if I can just get this, I can get a new car, get a new job, get a new house, buy some new shoes, get a new boyfriend, get a new girlfriend, you know, <laughs> it's like whatever it may be, and you think, oh, man, if I just had this, life would be great. And then you get it and you find out, you know, I'm still the same. It's nice to have this thing. But nothing's changed. Exactly. You take yourself with you wherever you go, right? So people, I think, you know, especially people who get into drugs, you know, it's a a longing for some way to, to ease the pain and have a, an experience of something that is uh, blissful, joyful, right. uplifting. Right. And meditation opens the doorway for that reality. Do you guys all hear that? Do you do you realize the profound statement that that Ron just made to all of you that you don't need to seek the next best drug that you think is going to take you to the highest of highs to escape yourself. You don't need to have that additional glass of that alcoholic beverage that puts you what you think is in a state of bliss. You don't need to have 25 sexual partners to verify or justify to yourself that you're good enough. All you really, really, really need to do is to sit back and do a little meditation. It's not dangerous, so you're not going to be ingesting anything that's harmful to your body. You won't get pulled over for having too much, quote-unquote, meditation spirit inside (laughs) of you. (laughs) And your bank account will look wonderful because you're not out trying to fix what's going on inside by, you know, buying more shoes or more clothes or, you know, the fastest car, the, you know, you know, you know, risking, do, performing risky behavior or things of that nature. Really, really, all you really need to do is is really just sit back and, and meditate. And and I want to ask you, Ron, are there any dangers to meditation? Well, a, a lot less than what people think. You know, I spend a fair amount of my time because I'm involved in various 
business situations, and I just wrote a book for a guy named Joe Taylor. He's a coach. He's a head football coach for Florida A&M, and he's a Baptist. So I, I have a lot of contact with uh, Christians and fundamental folks, and the, the misconception in that world is that meditation is dangerous because it makes your mind blank, and the devil will go in there and take you over. Well, there's nothing that I've ever read. I don't know where these <laughs> folks even come up with this stuff because it's, there, there are no teachings I have ever read that said that the goal of meditation is to make your mind blank. Yeah. The goal of meditation that. is to deepen your awareness so you can have a conscious realization of God. Right. That's not a blank mind. Right. And so if you're a Christian, you know, Jesus is your way, right? And so to go into a meditative place with the clear intention of, you know, Jesus, I want you to show up. I want to see you. I want to feel you. I want you in my heart. It's a way to accelerate and enhance one's uh, spiritual life. The, the only danger um, that I believe, uh, and it's a potential danger, is that if people are very traumatized, they've been abused as children or maybe they've been in the service uh, and have had um, you know, traumatic experiences in the military, that because meditation does calm you down and tends to open up a, a relationship with your inner life, if you have things that you have not resolved, uh, they're, they're going to come to the surface. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That can make you anxious. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but people should be pre prepared for it because oh. they have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason why it's surfacing to begin with, because they've, they've never dealt with it in the past. They just kind of shoved mm -hmm. it down, and, and meditation, you know, can do that because it does put you at such a such a beautiful state that, you know, some of these things can surface. But it's mm -hmm. not unhealthy, and it's not dangerous. It's just that it's something that you really need to deal with. And whether you deal with it now or you deal with it later, it's going to keep resurfacing in your life until you do address it. And what better way to address it than having this, being in this beautiful, blissful state? Um, well, let's be realistic, Rochelle. If somebody has a lot of early childhood trauma, they're not going to be in a wonderful, blissful state. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I they're okay. going to be anxious, and they're going to feel all this emotion, and it's going to scare them. Yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying that meditation is, is definitely, uh, it's not a precursor or cure-all for people that have more profound traumatic um, experiences that they really do need to seek out professional help with that. However, it's not something that you should be fearful of because those things may surface. You should be aware of it most definitely. And then if you find that you're having difficulty with, uh, dealing with what surfaces, then I would definitely say you need to seek out professional help. But if Absolutely. you are able to, to deal with it and allow it to um, come forth without it being detrimental or harmful to yourself, then the meditation is definitely a good place to be at for that. So you can also help people who want to deal with psychological issues because when people meditate a lot, they get very clear that their essential self is much more than their emotions. Emotions come and go, but there's something eternal and, and much bigger about the soul and their consciousness kind of incorporates the body, the mind, and the emotions. And so 
when issues come up, they're not identified with it. See, a lot of times what makes it slow to change is you think something, you feel something, and you think that's who you really are. Right. You know, people who meditate a lot and, and have spiritual practice, they go, yeah, I know that's what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, but I know it's not real. I'm more than that, but that's what's happening. Right. And so they have a leverage to change. It's easier for them to let go of that stuff and to change it because that's one of the first parts of the process of changes. Once you realize something, you have to then stop being so attached to it and stop identifying with it so you can let it go. Yeah. And that's part of meditation. Yeah. It helps you not be attached and it helps you get more fluid in letting go of things. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's the awareness. It's the awareness mm-hmm. and bringing it forth um, that, you know, hopefully will help you to take positive action or take the next positive action step in your life. But what I want to what I want to ask you Ron at this time is now um we've talked a lot about meditation and how it you know can have these profound benefits and and things can surface that may not be as you know happy for us. Um, but you know there's a lot of people out there doing what we call or what is called not me but what is called belief change work. And I've come across um, several people recently that are hypnotherapists and, and hip, hypnosis tends to be sometimes confused with meditation. So can mm-hmm. you tell the audience what's the difference between meditation and hypnosis? Oh, sure. It's, it's a good question because as a psychologist, I was trained in clinical hypnosis. In fact, my dad was a physician, and he used it uh, when he was uh, working with people. So he trained me as a kid. I grew up in in a family, and he would hypnotize me and show me how to hypnotize myself for self-esteem, for concentration, for uh, schoolwork and athletics and stuff. And so basically, hypnosis is actually a pretty common state. Everybody's had the experience where you're driving in a car and, you know, it's a long trip, and all of a sudden you realize for the last 20 minutes, you don't even know how you got from where you were to where you are. So you were just kind of in this zone-like space. Right. Uh, well, that's actually a self-induced hypnotic thing. Uh, focusing on something, concentrating on something creates a hypnotic induction, and it's uh, really designed to work more on psychological kinds of levels. Uh, the mind uh, has huge impact over the body. So you can go into hypnotic places and tell your body body not to bleed so much, so it's good for post-operative kind of thing because you can control bleeding. Right. You can control pain um, through hypnosis by controlling blood flow and kind of using your imagination. But from my point of view, hip- hypnosis is more of a psychological kind of domain. It isn't created for, and uh, in essence, it isn't designed for uh, spiritual uh, advancement in coming into cosmic consciousness. Right. You can change the techniques while you're in a hypnotic state and then kind of turn it into meditative spiritual practice. But in essence, it's about getting relaxed, uh, getting focused, and making use of the, the power of your subconscious mind because in that more relaxed, focused, heightened state of awareness, you have deeper access to your inner life and deeper access to your 
uh, unconscious and subconscious. So when I was doing psychotherapy, uh, I would generally have everybody in the beginning of the hour just kind of I would talk them into this hypnotic place because it would speed up the, the time in the sense that they would get to their material much more quickly. It would right. take so much time just wandering around talking about anything that had nothing to do with anything. It would really get down to the core material. So, you know, meditation, as we were talking about before, really is about the transmutation of energy working with the subtle currents in the spine uh-huh. in order to awaken higher perception and to awaken the soul and have direct communion with God. So the, in essence, the techniques are different and the intention behind them is different. But if you're creative, you can combine it and make it work. You know, generally, um, you know, meditation, you're, you're on your own, although if you can sit with somebody who's been meditating for a long time and right. has a presence, they will help you. you know, it's magnetism. Right, right. Help you get somewhere. Um, so uh, hypnosis, you know, if you're with somebody, I think it's imperative that you trust them a lot and you know that uh, they're there for your good. So hypnosis, so hypnosis would be more, I want to, you know, um, just clarify for the audience. Hypnosis would be more of, I want to say, a clinical professional type of practice. Of course, you probably, like you said, your dad taught you how to do it to yourself. But generally, um, it's something that you're with. You're with another person that that is, you know, doing the hypnosis for you or on you. Whereas meditation is something that you can do yourself, and you don't necessarily need another person to guide you um, into a meditative state. You can do that yourself. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. I mean, all, all that is true, and yet. Uh, you can learn self-hypnosis. Right. You can do it by yourself. And in meditation, if you have the, the great benefit to be with somebody who is an advanced meditator and has an expanded state of consciousness, they can guide you into deeper states uh, and help uh, deepen your meditative practice. So, the, the But starting off, you don't need, I mean, you don't need to be with someone that's, I'm going to no. say, a yogi, rishi that, you know, um, has transcended into a higher state. You can really start off doing meditation by yourself, and and until you learn how to do self hypnosis, you really do need to rely on someone else to teach you that. But you don't really need that with meditation. No, as long as you've got access to some techniques that work. A lot of people right. sit, and you know, I ask people, well, how do you meditate? And people go, oh, yeah, I meditate every day. I meditate in the shower. Uh, <laughs> or I meditate when I'm spinning. Yeah, I go, I, I'm spinning, and I do get in a trance state from that. Right. But if you really look at, you know, meditation is about the transmutation. I keep saying that transmutation of life force energy, bring, you know, the energy in the spine and up into the higher centers of the brain. That doesn't happen when you're taking a shower. No. I think it's great to take a shower. Yeah, right? and it doesn't happen when you're spinning either. That's right. <laughs> Or people say, I'll just sit, you know, and I try not to think. Well, how can you try not to think? (laughs) Now your ego is trying to control somebody, and the whole idea of meditation is to have this shift where you're beyond your ego and thinking stops, but not because you're trying. If you're trying, you'll never get there. Right. So you got to have the right techniques. 
Yeah, when you, yeah, I mean, you can get it in a book, you can buy a CD, you know, stuff is all over the place. You're right. You're very right. I mean, meditation. I remember when I started meditating when I was about 18 years old, and um, it was just this journey that I had been on. And, you know, my story is is a 17-year journey, but um, meditation for me was um, introduced to me by someone, and I looked at her like she was crazy. It was a massage therapist, this lady from Germany, um, that was working on my body because I had started getting massages and on a regular basis. And she had told me about meditation. She says, oh, you have a lot of fire in you. And, you know, I'm 18. I'm like looking at her like, what do you mean I have a lot of fire? But you know, when she mentioned meditation, I looked at her like she was crazy because I remember being a kid and in the early 70s seeing the yogi, and I can't remember his name to save my life at this point in time, but remember seeing this yogi on some channel that, you know, back in those days, you only got a few channels, hmm. um, you know, on some channel and some program that I was just flipping through the TV as a little kid, and I was just amazed at this guy Sitting, you know, as we called um, in Indian style, that's what it was called in school, but, you know, you're cross-legged and you're sitting mm -hmm. on the bottom. And this guy was, you know, really, you know, had elevated himself off the ground. And I just thought, that's crazy when she told me, you know, the massage therapist, when she mentioned that to me, I thought, that's crazy. I can't do that. And that's what I thought it was. But then as I began to, you know, explore a little bit with just being mindful and breathing and things of that nature and learned more as, you know, I became a nurse and, and explored more into really the profound benefits of meditation and becoming a certified meditation specialist, I realized that, um, first of all, the German lady was not off kilter when she said I had a lot of fire, because I, I do and I did. And it was having such a profound benefit to me that I was able to control my fire um, in a more positive manner that, you know, I wish I could go back to her today and say, wow, you were absolutely right on on cue because it, it really does have such a profound benefit um, on our lives. And so let me ask you, because, you, you know, you're, you're the the Ph.D. doctor expert, and I'm and so happy to have you. Um, how early can a person begin to meditate? Because, you know, I started, I don't want to say when I was maybe eight, 18 and a half, 19 years old, um, but how early can a person start, and, and is it safe for children to learn how to do? I think you can start as early as you want. I mean, you can be three, four years old, and you know, because if you start with, you know, simple meditation techniques like just pay attention to your breath and keep your attention focused, you know, at the point between your eyebrows, you're teaching uh, a child concentration and focus. And in this day and age, you know, you look at all these kids on Ritalin and other things because of this mass diagnosis of ADD, which is uh, often the result of sugar and uh, food additives, and it's not anything you know, neurological or it's anxiety. Right. And you get people off uh, the, the wrong foods and calm them down. They don't have those kinds of attention deficit disorders. But meditation is a way to address those kinds of things. And I know the Self-Realization Fellowship, they have like Sunday schools and they teach little kids to, to meditate. They give them simple little techniques. And, you know, prayer is a big part of any spiritual life. You know, and so you get in there and you use some 
uh, heart-centered devotional thought, which is prayer, you know, right. for somebody else, you know, you're, you're, you're helping to teach a little kid, one, to be selfless, you know, think about other people, not just yourself. They also begin to experience that if they send out something good for somebody else, you know, the saying that the instrument is blessed by that which passes through him or her, they feel better right. because they're caring about somebody else. So I think, you know, a meditative spiritual practice uh, can start, um, well, I tell me, start in the womb, you know. You're pregnant, you start blessing that child, <laughs> you know, and you're given energetic healing practices to create an environment that are conducive. So when the baby comes out, they're already in that state of consciousness. Yes, I, I agree with you 100% on that. I, I mean, I think um, I think it's really good uh, for for people, uh, and if you can incorporate a meditation practice into your life when you're pregnant, the profound benefits that you get, you know, just think of what the baby or the, the fetus is getting from you being in such a calm, restorative state. It, it, you know, I can't guarantee it. I almost want to say that it probably can make the labor process a lot easier. I don't know. I'm done having children, and I don't plan on having any in the future so that I could, you know, prove my theory. But um, I think I think that um, it might be something that physicians, allopathic physicians may want to take a look at to help their, their mommies to be uh, just be at a really peaceful, calm state with regards to, quote, unquote, the chaos of just childbirth, um, can, you know, can bring on to, to that, that individual. Um, and I know, I know that medica medication, excuse me. Med <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> you know, found benefits with regards to helping people that, you know, you mentioned the ADD and, and the joint, you know, you mentioned ADD, but also pain. Um, I have utilized it with, with clients to help them uh, really decrease the pain. Therefore, they can decrease their dependence upon prescription medication. And it's just had profound benefits in their lives. But if you could touch a little bit on that with regards to um, meditation and just uh, health, you know, health in general, mm -hmm. um, perfect. Well, it goes back to that statement I made earlier that we're basically in essence, an energetic system. And so in our astral body, there's really a blueprint of perfection in our subtle energy body. Mm -hmm. And if we can draw on that and bring that uh, state of perfection, which is really the, the soul's nature and it's God's presence, that as we draw that into the body, it changes things that are out of balance and have some kind of dysphoric energy going on in it. And so meditation can help restore uh, imbalances. And when you're really sensitive, you can feel vibrations in cells and muscles and organs. And you can tell when something's off, which has a propensity to create disease in the body. And so, you know, these systems like Reiki or a therapeutic touch or you know, right. a few of them, that all they do is that they bring an energetic presence into your field that, that's balanced and kind of designed to help you get back to your best state. And it's like a blueprint. Once the energy field changes, the body changes. 
And so, you know, in my practice, I saw all kinds of things, people with you know, problems that uh, Western medicine isn't real good at dealing with. Right. And they'd get better. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I do a lot of work with uh, friends and family who have major surgeries. Uh, I go to the hospital and I hang out with them in the recovery room. Uh-huh. And I do this kind of healing work. And they bounce back uh, much quicker. They don't have complications. My cousin had a brain tumor. Uh, when I, I came over to Arizona a few years ago, and mm-hmm. shows, I showed up, and she goes, oh, by the way, I have a brain tumor. I go, oh, great. <laughs> and it uh, wasn't malignant, but she didn't know that. Uh, so I did my, my little number with her because she knew what I do, and, and she liked it. And so I was in the room a couple hours after surgery was over. It was a long surgery. Uh, she did, was not malignant, but she did have brain surgery. Uh, and so we did the healing thing. She walked out of there in two days. Uh, and she could have left the next day. Right. And we, we just speeded up her recovery. Uh, one of the things, because we're able to, to take out all the anesthesia that was in her body, normally yeah. it takes a while just to process that, and that's why people are, you know, slow to, to bounce back because right. the body's kind of asleep. Right. So we got that out. You know, she had less pain. She had more vitality. Her thinking was clear. Uh, it, it was huge. And uh, there's huge benefits for uh, the, the therapeutic effect of men- energy when it's focused around consciousness and how that can help facilitate uh, states of health and wellness. That's wonderful to hear because I, I firmly believe that. And I know that when I was working as an RN um, in the ER doing ER trauma and I did some flight nursing as well, um, if my patients were coherent and conscious. Um, I could, you know, I would give them little things that they could do. For instance, I had a, a, a elderly lady have it a, a cardiac incident or what is classically known as a heart attack, and she mm-hmm. was 94 years old, and and you know she was a little anxious, but you know I've the whole realm within the ER is, is pretty overwhelming to begin with. And so I, you know, after I got her three IV lines started and I'm watching the monitor and, you know, and she was a little tachycardic, you know, meaning her heart rate was faster than it normally should. And I wanted to watch that because that, you know, was her heart demanding more oxygen consumption. So what I did was I just gave her a simple little meditative technique to utilize, which I was able to see, and she did, she was very open, and she was just this wonderful, wonderful lady, full of life, definitely wasn't ready to go. Um, and she, she did what I told her to do, and I walked her through it, and, and, and she did exactly what I told her to do. And I literally, literally saw her cardiac monitor go from tachycardia with abnormal rhythms in there, you know, she was throwing some um, what we call PVCs, and we didn't want her to have a run of PVCs, which meant she was going to go into uh, ventricular ventricular tachycardia. Um, Mm -hmm. I was able to actually watch her as she did this simple little meditative technique that I was um, teaching her, 
to go from sinus tachycardia from you know sinus tachycardia to a normal sinus rhythm which helped decrease the oxygen demand from that her heart was requiring and you know we didn't I didn't have to give her any more morphine after that she was stabilized um, the glow in her eyes just became so vibrant and she was admitted upstairs and they kept her for two days and then she went home. But what was really amazing to me was this little 94-year-old lady came back about a week or week and a half later and I worked nights. So this was really took effort on her part because I'm nights 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. She came back, she found me and she thanked me because she said she was so anxious that had I just not showed her the simple little technique that I, you know, showed her that she would have continued to be anxious, which was going to keep her in a, a very uh, high demand for oxygen consumption for her heart. So she thanked me for saving her life. And I thought, well, gosh, you, I thank you for following my instructions because mm -hmm. you made my job so much more easier and and you know and you're here tonight you're able to come in and tell me you know that what I did for you was profound but I'm telling her what you did for me was profound and it was so sweet because we're hugging and mm -hmm. in the midst of this chaos in the ER but it was just wonderful because I was able to see it actually work as she was doing it and I just don't get I just don't think people understand that it may seem so subtle but it has such profound benefits on our mind, body, and spirit that I just I can't advocate being a medica a, med a medication, medication. Um, so having that in your life because it has profound benefits and and I know we tend to kind of focus a little bit on health and stuff, but what I want you to touch on is um, how can meditation help with business because that's Different. Well, well, that's a good question, too. I, I like that one because I do a lot of business consulting. There's some studies were done, and they interviewed uh, CEOs who were very successful. And one of the things these guys had in common was they had what they called quiet time. Mm -hmm. They would go into a reflective mode and get some clarity about what they're doing. So I think one of the things about the business world, uh, you've got one, you have to make good decisions, you have to have good relationships with people, and from my point of view, you should have some integrity and have some ethics. Right. right. And so if you have some spiritual practice, one, if it's real, you know, and you really make a connection, very hard to start stealing from people because you love everybody. Right. right? And so you're not going to steal from people you actually care about. So hopefully your, your ethics are going to step up and you're going to do the right thing and hopefully try and make it so everybody comes out ahead. We don't see that a lot in, in the business world. You also have to have you know, good relationships with people if you're going to be effective uh, in the business world. And when you start meditating, uh, it enhances your capacity for empathy, uh, for compassion, for uh, emotional kind of control. I mean, there's a whole thing about emotional intelligence that, I mean, we don't have time to get into that. But it makes you smarter emotionally because you're calmer, you're more focused, you're not being driven by your emotions. And so you're going to be able to be with people, not be reactive, 
and hold a presence that one, because if you are you know, in this place where you care about them as people and want to do something together that's creative and serviceful to the planet, uh, they're going to trust you more because then intuitively they just feel that, you know, there's some kind of goodness going on in you that you're bringing to the moment. And then uh, life is complicated. You know, I think, you know, if we know how to tap into our intuition and get some guidance in terms of what is it that we should be doing, it gives us a better chance to do the right thing. Well, in the Bible where it says, be still and know that I am God, well, if you can shut up enough, you know, Quiet down, sit on the pillow or a chair, you know, spend a little time, quiet your mind, quiet your heart rate. Everything is quiet in there. You can actually hear something. You know, you can hear an inner voice. You, know, you may feel it. You may sense it. You may not hear it as a voice per se. But, you know, you get some kind of feeling about what you're doing so you can be on the right track. Uh-huh. Then, you know, a lot of people have heard about the secret. That's kind of a popular deal. Yeah. You know, well, because everything is energy, if, if our consciousness is focused, we come more like a laser. Right? And because we're more powerful with our consciousness and we hold uh, an intention for something, we can draw that to us. We can help create our reality when we're in a more conscious state. Hold on, Ron. Let me just. Do you guys hear that when you're in a more conscious state, you can actually help create the reality that you truly desire? And to get into this more conscious state, you have the key right now, which is meditation. Go ahead, Ron. I continue. I just wanted to emphasize that point. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great because life to some extent, is what we make it. I mean, there are forces that you know, are kind of predetermined based on our past karma, and but how we react to anything and everything is most important. You know? And when we're in that conscious state, we have the capacity to be a creative uh, element that puts good things out into the world and draws things to us. Years ago, I was uh, directing a nonprofit organization called Projects for Planetary Peace, and we were doing bilateral exchange program uh-huh. in the Soviet Union. Uh-huh. And there was a lot of things to do. And I saw people that I had brought in to work with me running around like crazy. Oh, got to do this, got to do that, got to do this. You know, and I'm just watching them, and they're spending a lot of time, spending their energy. Right. And when I needed to create something, I would go inside, I'd meditate, I'd see it, ask God to help me, and then I would meet somebody. Or something would happen. You know, I'd be drawn to the right place at the right time, and these connections would unfold with a lot less effort. And when I've worked in uh, the business world doing consulting in large corporations like eBay or other places, I find that a lot of people complain, oh, I'm so busy, you know, and I really watch them. I go, it's because you talk about things that have nothing to do with what you're trying to do. Exactly. You, know, you waste your time. You're not focused. So it's taking you twice as long to accomplish what should take you half, you know. So it's not that you have too much to do. It's that your consciousness is so fragmented and you're not using communication in an effective way, which I call essential communication, right. you're wasting your time. That's why it's taking you so long. Exactly. And so you, you get people to, you know, in a business environment to tune in together. You get a heart connection. It's a team-building thing. People care about each other genuinely, so they'll actually work harder for each other. And they 
uh, process stuff more effectively, you become more productive. That is absolutely beautiful and, and wonderful piece of information um, to disseminate upon our listeners because, you know, we've taken them from how meditation can help them, how um, it can help with the relationships that they have in their lives, how they can help their children, even unborn fetuses can come into the world and, um, and be more calm and peaceful through the meditative practices that their mommy may be doing while she's pregnant with them. And then we've talked about how meditation can help with just the physical aspects of doing you know, health challenges and helping you to, you know, reduce pain um, through meditative practices and decrease your dependence upon um, pain medication. And then we swing around full circle to how meditation can help you in business. And, and what we've touched upon here today is that meditation has profound benefits in all aspects of our lives, we really need to just be open to it, allow it to flow into us, and receive the beautiful, beautiful gift that the divine gives to us when we're in our meditative state. And because we're running out of time, Ron, I, I really do want to let the audience know that, you know, you've written four books. Sacred Healing, Integrating Spirituality with Psychotherapy. You uh, wrote the book, and this is for good for golfers, The mm -hmm. Yoga of Golf, Bouncing Back, um, How to Recover When Life Knocks You Down, and Success is an, is an Inconvenience, The Making of a Champion. I know you've done some stuff working with athletes as well, and I, I forgot to mention or didn't forget, but wanted to save this for um, the last part of the show, is to let people know that you are an executive and peak performance coach. You mm -hmm. are, um, you know, of course, a best-selling author and um, a sports psychologist as well as an organizational development development consultant. And so just to hear you talk about meditation, because you've done all this stuff that doesn't seem to be a fit or a tie-in to meditation, but you've done all this stuff, and through it all, you've been meditating for a long time. And so I'm here to let people know that you can be as successful as you want to be in any of those realms, whether you want to be an author, you know, a coach, uh, you know, do organizational development, uh, be a consultant to business, whatever you want to do. And we've just given you a tool that will help you, um, if it is utilized, will help you actually to get a handle on your stress and really reduce it and, and eliminate it from your, from your life. And so people can contact you. How, Ron? A couple ways. They could email me. Uh, it's my last name, M-A-N-N. R for Ron at ronman.com, R-O-N-M-A-N-N.com. That's my website, ronman.com. So they go to my website, and there's a bunch of stuff on there for free and links to uh, how to buy the, the books, and I have a bunch of audio CDs for meditation and self-healing and, and golf, uh, golf instruction on, on the, the mental game. Uh, or if people want to call me, um, they um, – well, probably better not give out my phone number yeah. now. No, you make it out. 
Oh, yeah, they could uh, they get me through my email, manr at ronman.com, or go to my website. And uh, there's links to Facebook and LinkedIn. And, you know, I do Twitter, but I, I really don't have much to say on a daily basis. But I think so. I don't do all these little yeah. tweets of, oh, I'm going to the golf course now, you know. <laughs> well, just near 30. <laughs> that would be overwhelming. And we're trying to decrease stress and not increase <laughs> Also, I just want to let everyone know that, you know, Ron has free audio meditation downloads at his site, which is ronman, which is M-A-N-N.com. Um, and I take, I, I want you all to take advantage of going to his site and downloading this information um, because if you're new to meditation, this might be a perfect opportunity for you to start. And if you're looking for a way to decrease or eliminate stress from your life, this is a perfect way for you to just start beginning to do that by utilizing um, the meditations that Ron has on his site that are available for you for free. Now, I want to thank you all for listening. I'm Rochelle Lawson, and as you all know, I'm the queen of feeling fabulous, and I have free gifts that you can obtain from me as well. You can go to freegiftsfromrochelle.com. Uh, that's freegiftsfromrochelle.com, and you can pick up a wonderful book uh, on 21 Tips to Instantly Reduce Stress, as well as some other really, really nice gifts that I have for you. And with that saying, I'd like to close the show and thank my very special guest, Dr. Ronald Mann, affectionately known as Ron. And I want to thank you for listening. I hope you found the information very beneficial to you that you can begin to incorporate into your life immediately. And as we say, uh, here at my health center, I'm wishing you much health and wellness, and it is my goal to bring peace to your mind, tranquility to your spirit, and wellness to your body. And with that, I will say namaste. Goodbye.